Well, good morning, church. Trust you've enjoyed this time of worship. And as you heard, today we're having communion. It's our last one for 2020. Also, at the end of the service, there'll be an important announcement. So don't rush off. Wait for it, okay? We are getting ready to celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus. And so we are doing this series on Christmas gifts, looking at the gifts that Jesus received. And we have started with the three gifts which the wise men from the East brought to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We find this account in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, the first 12 verses. I will read now only verses 9 to 11, which says the following. When they heard the king, that's the wise men, when they heard the king, Herod, what he had to tell them, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men, they form an integral part of the Christmas story. They are present in every nativity scene. And usually there are three of them. They even have names, Melchior, Gaspar, and Balthazar. However, the truth is that we do not know how many there were. We don't know what their names were. As time went by, tradition determined they were three. Maybe because there were three gifts given to Jesus. By the year 500, uh, the tradition had been set that it was three wise men and what their names were. Yet, in different parts of the world, there are different traditions. Some even saying that there were 12 uh, wise men. The fact is, the Bible does not say how many they were, nor what their names were. And it does not identify the countries they came from. Simply said, they came from the east. It could be that they came from Persia, Arabia, Babylon, India. Maybe it was one from each of those countries. We don't know. What we do know is that they brought very expensive and very valuable gifts to give to Jesus. Now, what the wise men probably did not know is that their gifts were prophetic and symbolic in nature. Last week, we looked at frankincense. Taken from the Boswellia trees, this resin is rich in aroma and healing properties. It was regarded as pure and holy in the temple worship, forming the main ingredient in the incense that was used in the Holy of Holies by the high priest. This gift, as we saw last week, pointed to the priestly role of Jesus as our high priest. As such, this gift also pointed to the divinity of Jesus. He was fully man, but also fully God. Today, we take a look at the gift of myrrh. Myrrh is also a resin taken from small thorny trees of the genius Camiphora. 
the process of extracting both frankincense and myrrh resin is a long and tedious one. And these trees grew and still grow in remote areas. So back in the time of Jesus, frankincense and myrrh were both very valuable and very expensive products. Throughout history, myrrh has been used as perfume, incense, and medicine. Myrrh is claimed to have healing properties for indigestion, ulcers, colds, cough, asthma, lung congestion, arthritis, pain, and even cancer. Myrrh was a core ingredient in the anointing oil used to anoint the tabernacle, the high priest, and the kings. It was made under instruction given by God to Moses. It was also an ingredient in the incense used in the temple. Ancient cultures would mix myrrh with wine to act as an analgesic. In fact, just before Jesus was crucified, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. This mixture of wine and myrrh was commonly given to criminals before their execution to ease some of their suffering. But Jesus refused to take it. He chose to endure with full consciousness the suffering which was appointed for him. Another major use of myrrh was in the embalming of bodies for burial. You may recall that Joseph and Nicodemus brought aloes and myrrh to wrap the body of Jesus after he died to place him in the tomb. So, as you can gather prophetically, this gift is pointing to Jesus as the suffering servant, the Lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world. If frankincense pointed to the divinity of Jesus, myrrh is pointing to the humanity of Jesus. Do you see the prophetic symbolism of this gift? But why was Jesus born to die? Why did he have to take away the sin of the world? Simply because we have a problem. We have a problem that we cannot resolve. The prophet Isaiah put it this way in chapter 56 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see the problem? We have left God's path to follow our own ways. When the word calls us sheep, (laughs) it's not calling us cuddly, fluffy creatures. No. Sheep are stubborn creatures. Sheep can easily go astray. You can find sheep happily grazing somewhere all by itself and wonder how it got there. Well, he strayed and he wasn't even aware of it. On the other hand, sheep are copycats. If one starts running, the others will quite easily start running after it without giving it a second thought. They just don't think through the consequences of their actions. Sometimes they jump to their death simply because they are following another sheep who jumped off a cliff. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that how we tend to behave too? Everybody's doing it, so I'm going to do it too. (laughs) And so we need a savior. Jesus came to save us, 
But to save us, he had to pay the price of our sin. Remember that in the Old Testament, sacrifices of animals were only a temporary payment for the sons of the people. Jesus came to pay the full price once for all. One ultimate sacrifice never to be repeated again. To pay the price for the sins of mankind. I I want you to call your attention to the accuracy with which the prophet Isaiah describes the crucifixion of Jesus. Listen to a few verses from this chapter and keep in mind that this chapter was written some 700 years before it happened. I'm reading Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 and 4. He, referring to Jesus, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus suffered great sorrow. So much so that his sweat turned to blood. This can happen when a person is under extreme stress, extreme trauma. As it was written, Jesus was rejected by men. He was carrying the load of our sin, but as people watched him die, they thought that God had forsaken him. His body was so bruised that some would not even look at him. You can just imagine the suffering that Jesus went through. Jesus was arrested, falsely accused, unfairly tried, and sentenced to death by crucifixion. In other words, he was murdered. He was stripped naked, had to put up with the shame of being mocked. They stuck a crown of thorns on his head, spit on him, whipped him. As Isaiah predicted, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then he carried his heavy cross most of the way to Calvary and had nails driven into his hands and feet. He hung there on a cross designed as an instrument of suffering for the worst criminals and traitors. The next verses I will be reading from the Passion Translation. Isaiah 53 verses 8 to 9 and 11. By coercion and with a perversion of justice, he was taken away. And who could have imagined his future? He was cut down in the prime of life. For the rebellion of his own people, he was struck down in their place. They gave him a grave among criminals, but he ended up in a rich man's tomb. Remember, he was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man. Although he had done no violence nor spoken deceitfully. After the great anguish of his soul, he will see light and be fully satisfied by knowing him. The righteous one, my servant, will make many to be righteous. Because he, their sin bearer, carried away their sins. You see, after the great anguish of his soul, Jesus will be raised up again. And you'll see the result of his suffering. By knowing Jesus, by believing him, by surrendering our lives to him, it says that he will make many to be righteous. 
and to have a right standing with God. Why does he say many and not all if Jesus died for the sins of all? Well, simply because many believe in him, but many are still making excuses. They are not surrendering their lives to him. And they continue like stubborn sheep to go astray. As we break bread today, I hope everyone watching and listening to this message belongs to the group who believe, who have believed in the sacrifice of Jesus. This Christmas gift, myrrh, given to the child Jesus was a foreshadow of what was to come. And Jesus understood this. And he prophesied it over himself. He said in Luke 9, verses 22 and 23, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, (laughs) what do you think follows that? Let me tell you what Jesus did not say. He did not say, if you desire to come after me, make a little prayer and then live the rest of your lives any way you want. It'll be okay. He did not say, believe in me and you'll be prosperous and have all your wishes come true. No. Believe in me, say a little prayer and you can have a a wonderful life of ease on earth. No, 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 no. Listen to what he actually said. If you desire to come after me, let him deny himself. In other words, it's not about you. And take up his cross daily. In other words, die to yourself. And then he said, follow me. Follow my ways. Listen, Christianity is not a preference. It's not a hobby. It's not a a belief to make you feel good. This is a lifestyle connected to Jesus. Christmas is not about nice food and music and Father Christmas, but about God becoming man, being born of a virgin, so you would not inherit the sinful nature of his earthly father, but would inherit the divine nature of his heavenly father. Jesus never sinned. Hallelujah. And then he endured all that suffering for you and for me, for humanity. He died for your lies, your lust, your anger, your greed, your selfishness, all your sins, all my sins, all our sins. Jesus carried all that upon himself on the cross. And God sent the wise men to bring gifts, gold, prophetically saying that you would be king of kings. Frankincense, saying that you'd be our high priest. The veil is torn, and we have access to the throne of God. And myrrh, that he was born to die, and through his death, pay the price of the sins of the world, so we could become children of God. As we celebrate communion now, this is what we remember. This is the gospel Jesus died, he was buried, he rose on the third day, never to die again. He is alive today, hallelujah. Because of his suffering, symbolized in the gift of myrrh, many today have and will have still the gift of eternal life. So, 
Let us take up our cross. Let us follow Jesus. And as we break bread now, let us remember all that Jesus did for us. So get your bread and juice and let us break bread together. Amen. As we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus, we cannot separate the birth from the death. He came to die so that we could live. We celebrate with joy because he's not dead. He came to die, but on the third day he arose and he's alive today, offering eternal life to all who deny themselves and take up their cross. In other words, they stop going astray and wandering around like a stubborn sheep and they choose to live in the ways of the Lord, even if it goes against the grain of the world, against the grain of what all other sheep are doing. Amen. So let's thank God for the bread, for the wine, remembering the broken body of Jesus and his blood shed for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can come together today and break bread, remembering your body nailed to the cross, taking upon yourself our sickness, our disease, our sins, our iniquities. We receive today, as we remember, we receive with joy, Lord. Thank you that because of what you did, we have life. Amen. Let's enjoy the bread together now. And as we drink the cup now, we remember that all of our sins, the blood of Jesus, not only covered, but completely removed all of our sins. In the eyes of God, we are righteous because of what Jesus did. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood for paying the price for my sins, for our sins, Lord. We receive this cup with joy. Amen. Enjoy the cup of blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, think a little bit more about what it means to take communion of all that Jesus did for us. Enjoy this day. And uh, I thank you for having been part of this service. Join us again next Sunday as we look at the gift of gold. Amen. Have a blessed week. May the peace of the Lord be with you, with your household. May his presence abide in you. And before you go, here's an important announcement. Hi Church, we have some exciting news for you. Every year we get together to celebrate Christmas at our year-end function. But since we couldn't do that this year, we decided to bring the show to you. So on Friday the 18th of December at 7pm, we'll be premiering our online Christmas production. So gather your family, get your snacks, and we'll see you online to celebrate Christmas together. That's Friday the 18th of December at 7pm. See you there.